to enter a nexus of science, violence, and nonsense. Where fake news, pseudoscience, and weaponized stupidity meet full contact fact-checking and peer-reviewed ass-kicking. And as always, no bullshit allowed. Recorded live at Mosquito Headquarters in Austin, Texas. This is the Art of Fighting BS podcast. Brain chips in the trick. Chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun. Necessarily rewarding. You are fake news. Come on, science is interesting. If you don't agree, you can fuck off. Let's do this. Before we deep dive into this debate, you've got to define terms. That's always really important, but especially here. So, one end of the spectrum. You have a completely natural event. It's called the zoonotic transfer. So bats, pangolins, whatever, had this virus, it jumped to people in probably the wet market of Wuhan. This happens all the time. It's part of the reason why influenza doesn't go away is because it constantly retransfers out of pigs and birds back to us and from us back to them and so on and so forth. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. So that's one issue. The other really far extreme, it's still a lab leak. So now there's multiple lab leaks in here. One extreme is engineered. This was a bioengineered virus that was designed and they were trying to make the Frankenstein virus to do bad things to the universe. And it is, you know, you can see, you know, it was literally designed using things like CRISPR to write the code of the virus. And then it leaked from a lab or it was released. But we're talking lab leak here. So then leak from a lab that was engineered. All right. Then there's two more. One is a lab leak, but they were just collecting the viruses. So this Wuhan lab, which studies all types of uh, severe pandemics, it's a BSL-4 lab, uh, or I think three with four practices, I don't remember, but they, they study coronavirus. And so they collected all these coronaviruses from around China and other places and collected them, you know, froze samples down or investigating them. And maybe where they're just running tests on them, nothing, no gain of function. We'll get that in a second. No gain of function. Just running tests, and it leaked out because no one's 100% perfect. So that's a one example of a lab leak. Another example of a, and we'll just call that you know standard lab leak. And then the next one is gain of function lab leak. So they were taking the viruses and they weren't mutating them, but they were subjecting them to selective pressure. So you take a virus that mostly likes to live in bats and pangolins, and you expose it to human cells over and over and over again until it gets better at living in human cells, and you study what changed in the virus to let it do that. So that's kind of a non-genetic engineering, but kind of selective pressure, gain-of-function mutation. So that would be a passive gain-of-function study. We're pretty sure it's not engineered, because if you engineer a virus, it leaves certain traces in it, and it becomes pretty obvious. And we all have the sequence of this virus. And no, we don't just have the sequence China gave us when it first came out. Everyone's playing with the virus and could sequence it and has to sequence it all the time to do their work. And so we'd know if it was wrong. I have not seen any credible evidence that suggests it was an engineered virus. So we can basically chuck that one out. Thoughts, comments here thus far? Um, honestly, I there's so many people that are in the space right now that are trying to make their name off of coming up with the... The, the actual theory to predict it so they can say, Oh yeah, I told you all along. Um, and, uh, I'm sketchy on whether or not we should name them. Um, I mean the, the wine saints, for example, uh, and there, there's a whole bunch of people out there right now. That's just, Twitter is just a Twitter about, about this thing. And, um, but it's, I, I think what, what we're eventually going to get to is 
whether or not the um well a the the probability of a scenario just rational probability of one of the scenarios being likely over the others and then b uh, discussing the agenda behind why people would push the a specific version of a lab leak so i mean we'll, we'll get to that though we can get to the agenda part um so i'm gonna i'm gonna instead of bearing the lead just get them this i don't think we can answer which one of these is the most likely Okay. Because we have no ability to get forensic evidence from China and fully investigate it. You'd have to go into the lab, investigate the hell out of everything. Hopefully they have electronic lab notebooks where everything is verified and authenticated and can't be like edited after the fact. And you'd have to try to look and see were they doing gain of function on something like this? Were they not? What do their protocols look like? Do they have reports of leaks? If someone was mentioning they think that some people got sick at one point. And so there was some scientists from there that got sick from this mysterious respiratory virus in like November or something. I don't know if that's true. So I can't tell you because I don't have any evidence one way or another. I think the only evidence we have is it's not engineered. And beyond that, did it jump from an animal? Was it from an animal that could infect people that then got leaked out? And so just something we were collecting that got out that shouldn't have. And so it got exposed to people. Were they doing gain-of-function mutations that kind of speed up evolution? I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't think any of us can because China is being opaque about it. Which yeah, I mean, it's China. Exactly. They're not going to exactly share their their notes, open their doors and say, hey, come on, check, check us out. We're cool. Right, exactly. And so, and so what I find so bizarre about the whole debate, everyone's like just going nuts about it. And you could argue it matters. Like if it was a leak, it evidence it's evidence that you need to change your protocols around these types of viruses to study them. Yeah. Uh, but you should already be assuming that it could leak. And you should already be assuming that gain of function mutations could leak out. And so if you're doing them, you better have extra strict precautions and quadruple the level of oversight to be involved with that type of thing. And that needs to be done very cautiously. Yeah. So can you use this as a general learning lesson? Like, hey guys, here's an example of what if this had come out, hypothetically, you know, been leaked out. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Let's make sure our protocols are in place. Sure, take the lesson even if it's not true and call it a day. Get a little more, we need to be more stringent on the bio BSL, which is biosafety level uh, protocols for these types of viruses. We need to understand how accidents can happen because people err. And we need to have really strict rules about any type of gain of function mutation that you do. I'm not saying you have to preclude the research. Anytime you preclude all research, you close the door on things you don't necessarily want to close the door on. But you got to be really careful about it. And so, but also it's perfectly normal to want to go collect a bunch of the different viruses and study how they're all different, even if you don't do gain of function mutation. If you couldn't study a coronavirus in a lab. How are you going to come up with a flipping cure for it? You can't. So you got to do some of that. So if it's just a simple leak, it tells you you got to get better protocols, basically. It tells you maybe now that we have vaccine technology, if you're going to start creating uh, these types of things, you better have it ready to go make a vaccine really quick. From and then maybe there, that's the layer of control that you have. Vaccinate the staff with a custom vaccine. It's not like it's hard to make a new coronavirus vaccine now that we've done one. You just swap no. the gene insert in and you say, okay, everyone in the lab gets vaccinated against what they're working on. That's part of what it is to work in a BSL-4, is that you get custom vaccinated against the agents you're working on with a specific sequence. And that would require regulatory work, right? The FDA would have to approve 
that type of specialized youth authorization for those labs. But, you know, do it. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously just calling it out. We're running into the problem that, yes, if that's something we were doing, sure. And I imagine we have a little bit more. OK, man, we, we have a little bit more oversight just by the nature of a democracy overseeing our government, you know, broadly than the People's Republic of China does. Uh, I'm, their, their people can't exactly pressure the government with the same amount of force that we can to like get their shit together uh, in, in the wake of stuff. Right, but their government may also want this type of standard. This may be something that no one wants us to leak out. Ergo, everyone adopts the best practice because even China didn't like what happened with the pandemic. It was not good for them. No. It's not good for anyone. So if there's a culture around the world of when you're dealing with BSL three or four level pathogens and you can make a custom vaccine for it, you do. Maybe that's what you do for those workers. Just like everyone who's in healthcare is supposed to get a flu shot every year. Yeah. But this is much more customized for the bad thing. And guess what? Most people who are working on that would probably like to be vaccinated when they're working on that crazy ass virus. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like if you're studying Ebola, they're making Ebola vaccine now. You could be vaccinated, and you are supposed to be vaccinated against Ebola to work on Ebola. Yeah. Right. Just like nowadays, anyone who is working on the coronavirus vaccine or on COVID or coronavirus got vaccinated against it real quick. Yeah. As soon as it came out. Back in December. Yeah, exactly. Ergo, apply the technology more broadly. Have that as part of the research platform. And then if it tries to leak out, it can't because you're not going to be able to yeah. So, but you know, what's actually happened, eh, you know, maybe eventually. Okay. I just, I, I think the the central issue is assuming good faith on the part of a country that maybe doesn't always exercise that. So, and and that is where I see a lot of the people who are enamored with the lab leak, like a malicious, you know, bad lab leak. Yeah, uh, idea. Uh, that's where they're coming from. So we, we can't is, discount is, that either. No, you can't. Okay, we assume China or any other foreign power that we don't have aligned interests with may do something malicious. They do do things that are malicious. They are not transparent, and this could have been one of them or not, and we have no way of knowing. Unlike when we get hacked and we know who it is, and we just can't like you know do anything about it necessarily. In this case, we really have no damn idea, and that's just going to be the way it is. Okay. Yeah. It really sucks. People hate uncertainty, which is why then you get all these conspiracy theories. And so then people could play off the uncertainty and get really popular for pushing one, you know, if you have uncertainty, then every flavor of ice cream out there is a possible flavor to eat. And so you're going to get all these people peddling the different flavors and all the flavors can exist at the same time and everyone can sell all their flavors of ice cream. And that's what's happened. Yeah. And there's a, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. That that's exactly what's going on with a lot of people pushing this. And um, and the the worst thing about it, from from our perspective of what we're trying to to do, and just say, hey, this is more likely, this is my, more likely, just just think rationally about it, is that the audience that's interested in it isn't most of all aren't even remotely at the level of uh, scientific literacy where they can like, just read the papers or just parse what's going out, the likelihood of things, and but the people that are selling the conspiracy theories speak more clearly to those people than the actual legitimate experts. They're people, it, it's easier to listen to some knucklehead like, I mean, just Alex Jones, who's just, you know, speaking 
like very simply to those people than it is to you know listen to some uh, somebody at the WHO because they're dry, they're boring, they don't engage anybody, nobody wants to you know they don't take it seriously. So yeah, all that and with the WHO, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with this one. Yeah, I mean it, that from the get go, they, they were setting it up to have a conspiracy theory simply by the way that they bent over for China in the early days and like oh well we're not yes. sure. So there's so many things that have lined up to create a perfect storm of a conspiracy theory about like a, like a malicious lab leak. So, 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 so you work in lab sciences. So I always, you probably don't see this enough, but when you're a doctor, you order a test. If you're going to, ideally, if you're going to do something with the result of the test, Hopefully. right? Yeah. So ideally people order tests all the time where they're not going to do anything based on it. But in the ideal world, if I'm going to test something, I need to have a reason I'm going to, it's going to change my action if it's positive or negative, or it'll change my action if it's positive. Yeah. So the question is, in this case, if we were to know, would it change our action? And I actually think the answer is no. If we did know that it was a lab leak, are we going to then cut off economic ties with China? Yeah, right. No. Is the world going to do anything but be mad at them? No. Is the world already mad at them in a variety of ways in a variety of times? Yeah. Yes. Would maybe parts of Africa and other places that are getting the Sinovax feel betrayed by them? Yes. Is that potentially geopolitically useful? Sure. Should we send CIA spies in to try to figure it out in their lab? Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, like, is there is there spy work that we can do to figure this out? Maybe. Should that happen from a national interest perspective? Sure. That's how nation states play games. Yes. Right. But for us as people who aren't the federal government trying to figure this out, is there anything that's going to change for us? And the answer is no. No. If it is any of these options, we should all be more concerned about the protocols around labs that do this research and start thinking about proper safety for them. This can be a wake-up call. It could be a near miss. Hey, this one was natural, but you know what? They're studying this and it could have leaked. So let's think about that for next time. I mean, WHO could say this is the ideal set of policies that you should pursue. And then just, I don't know, that's about it. That's about all they can do. And, yeah. and but the people. And that, it's, 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 I believe the CDC, if I remember right, that sets the biosafety level standards that then the WHO eventually adopts. That sounds about right. Because our CDC is considered the best in the world, even when they screwed up the testing here. I mean, they're still considered the best. Yeah. So. Regardless, yeah, you set up something, you say, this is what you should do, and that's about all you can do, and maybe it's a good reflection point. And then what? Okay, cool. We did the learn the lesson, uh, and then let's reflect on how crazy this whole thing has been and how we got overly political with the pandemic and screwed the pooch as a result, um, and go from there, because there's literally nothing else we can do about this at this point, except like just put our crazy hats on and have conspiracies. And conjecture, and it's 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 a meaningless exercise. So the reason I'm just like, why is this blowing? You know, it's blowing up now because now the government, our government, is saying that we're not sure, which has always been the answer, right? We were never sure, and so now, oh, we're not sure. So now everyone's getting excited about it. Okay, and that's just where it's going to be forever. So what? <laughs> yeah, now, I'm not going to do anything about it. For the people, the need for people to have certainty will will doom us all because they just they, they can't process. Okay, well we know this, 
but this is a, especially when it comes to the whole mask thing, right? They need a silver bullet solution to something. And if it's not 100% guaranteed, then they're like, well, why should I bother to do it? And, you know, that's because mm, you work with the so, other things. So this was an interesting one. Fauci lied about the mask. In the beginning. Yeah. She said, don't go run and get an N95 because if he, we had, America would have done two N95s, what we did, the toilet Maybe paper. I is a bit strong for what he did. He... Oh, he, said, he said, don't get one. You don't need one. Now, you could argue, well, you don't need one because you don't know how to use one. And that's true because they're not fit tested. But in reality, we told people not to get them so doctors would have them, which was fine. I knew it was a deception at the time because... I needed an N95, and all healthcare workers did. And we're like, if we just tell people to go get one, we're all going to die and not be able to help them. Yes. And, and that's what happened. And so we just were like, well, we can't tell you this because it's going to go crazy if we do. Now, is that paternalistic? Yes. Is that sometimes what we have to do in society? Probably. Yeah, it's just like you can't, shout fire in a, you can't shout fire in a movie theater even if there is a fire. You tell people to please step up calmly and leave. And that way everyone lives and no one gets trampled. If you shot fire, which is being really honest, people are. No, I mean, so, yeah, and it's it's hard to, I mean, we, we cut through the bullshit. That's that's what we do. So, yes, it and it, it's it been a year since that happened. We, we're to be honest about it, but it, it's, it's tough to not want to paint that as a little bit less than a direct, straight up lie. Uh, but... You're right. You're right. That was a, he misrepresented whether or not that was a good thing. And then it came back to bite us in the ass and became politicized. Right. And then, well, why we need a mask? Why are you saying I need a mask now? And I need two masks. I like, it's like, yeah, okay. We learned it's a respiratory virus. We even learned that in some situations it aerosolizes, which we've kind of known, but the issue is we were trying to distinguish it between it and something like TB, which aerosolizes for like, you know, days. Yeah. Or measles, which aerosolizes for days. It's not truly an aerosolized virus, but can aerosolize in certain conditions, mostly hospitals and other stuff with medical equipment. But if you do cough in an elevator, it's not going to sit in the elevator for five days, unlike measles or TB. And so, hence, wear a mask. With a, oh, and because it's bigger, the regular masks block the aerosolization. Unlike, you know, tiny-ass aerosolized product particles, which you need N95 for, the masks block you from aerosolizing it towards others. Yeah. So... We told people to wear masks, and then that became political. Now, my favorite thing about that, though, is in the early days, uh, when people were protesting the lockdowns and the mask thing hadn't been expressly politicized, the dudes protesting the lockdowns were all masked up because masks look cool. You have this like, and you don't want your face seen at a protest. Yeah, and but but by the time January sixth came around, it would have been so politicized that those. Dinglings were walking around the Capitol Rotunda with their face showing. So and then Gall got caught on candid camera. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I hope they all run hell. Yeah, it it's dumb. It got politicized, and then the lockdowns were really tough, right? Like, how much lockdown was efficacious for how long, at what time, and if you'd all worn masks, then maybe you wouldn't have had to have as much lockdown, but. We did. I mean, I think people just worn masks and locked down for a month and a half or two months straight. It probably would have been much easier, but we didn't do that. We kind of like slow rolled it. And so we got hosed. And then we had wave one and the second half of wave one and then wave two and wave three, just like 17 or 19, 18 and 1990. I mean, it even followed the same pattern in the country. It literally went to the same places in the same order. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, yeah. oh, it's in the Northeast. Oh, now it's down in the South. Oh, now it's having a surge in the Midwest. Just go look. Go look back at their previous pandemic. It does the same thing because people's migratory patterns are roughly the same and the weather patterns are roughly the same. And it did the same shit in the same places. Yes. Almost like there's a field that studies this stuff, but, you know, epidemics. There's a, you know, the ology, right? It's epidemic. There, there would be. Uh, the, the problem is, is that in this case, I'd actually say the epidemiologists had their day. And so we're just like, we just have to lock down and hide and, you know, do all. And that's like, okay. Yes, but it, what is the line, right? Like, yeah. why did we shut down elementary schools ever? I know why we shut down high schools, because high school students on average have the same immune system as adults and are transmitted almost as well as adults. And middle school students, kind of close. So maybe they have to be remote too. But elementary school kids don't transmit it very well. And in all the countries that kept their school children in schools did not have a higher rate of transmission, even when it was surging in the community. Because if you mask all the kids and you mask the adults, everyone's fine. And only transmission is adult to adult in the damn break room when they take off their mask when they're not supposed to. But again, going back to the, the simplistic silver bullet thing, getting parents to understand why their kids can go to school, but they can't go to work. It's just it's a messaging nightmare. There needs to epidemiologists need a better PR person. They need, well, at least maybe some psychologists on their, on their staff to communicate this crap to the rest of the public. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit complicated. You got, you know, this is okay. This isn't okay. And you just gonna, you know, do some well, brain power. So, so it's not just that though. It's that, it's that there was an abundance of caution, right? Everyone was acting with an abundance of caution and medically. Yeah. Is it safer to stay at home? For the elementary school kids, for the community, yes, it was yes, it was. I can't, I can't. If you ask me that, yes, yeah. was it better for society? I would argue no. I would argue that the damage done to people by staying home and the harm done to those children was greater than their risk of COVID and greater than the risk of the parents of COVID. Hmm. But that's not what the epidemiologists are asked. That's not what physicians are asked. They're asked, "Is this more risky or not medically?" And they're going to give you that answer. The problem is we never had that second layer, layer of judgment. We never had someone go, yeah, for the health, it's worse by 2.1, you know, analysis points. But it's worse for the mental and social well-being of the children by nine analysis points, you know, whatever, whatever our arbitrary units. And so on cost benefit analysis, we should do it for these kids and not for those kids. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't do that. Uh, because after that, politicians just heard, oh, it's dangerous and said either, yeah, let's shut down or liberty and freedom for all. No. And it's like, well, uh, can you cost benefit this at all? Which is amazing because all capitalism is, is cost benefit analyzing, anal analyzing everything. And yet we don't do that when we need to. Yeah. No, it's. <sighs> So, which which is kind of interesting because the the cost benefit analysis factor of how the Chinese responded to this is um yeah completely different because there's no I, I don't want to get into politics. This that's oh, yeah. just a, well, my favorite joke is you know how many people in North Korea had coronavirus any time. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Let you complete this. One. You know what happens when they have it? Bang! Now I need you. One. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, we have no idea what the death rate or infection rate in China really is. Uh, I'm betting it looked more like India. Maybe. Now, now they had it really early, right? So they caught it early. There was some escape, but people still don't travel that much, right? Like, it's not like people from Wuhan are traveling all over the, everywhere else all the time. And so in a control state, you could probably actually track people down, force them to quarantine and quench the virus. Yeah. So it could be actually pretty low. I don't think the numbers they present are accurate, but they could be roughly that order of magnitude, but higher. For those who don't know, order of magnitude is the log 10. So, you know, I'm saying one fold, not tenfold. So it could be like three times higher, not ten times higher. There you go. All right. Rhythmic is a different scale. <laughs> it is. Scientific notation for all. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so I don't I don't know. But they could have really quenched. I mean, you look at like even New Zealand and other states that were small, that just kind of collectivism involved. Yeah. And they're just like, well, we're going to lock down and do it. And you're like, okay, well, there you go. But yeah. The, this, this lab leak thing is just interesting because everyone's arguing about something you can't know about. And it's hilarious. But you need a sense Me. of control. You, that's half of why people do conspiracy theories in the first place. So that they at least feel like they know what's going on. They feel special because they have a, some insight into it. And then, you know, maybe that gives them some some tiny sense of control over the crazy, absurd existence that we all have. It's really no different in some ways than the religions are arguing about which God is the right God. Yes, it's a big conspiracy. I mean, the, that, that, that's really what's going on here. And it's kind of weird. And I, I, I don't get why really smart people like the Weinsteins are so invested in one solution like why why they can't go well i think it could be this but i'm not sure and it's really kind of hazy and if the argument was well, we can't dismiss it because we don't have the data to dismiss it i'd be like yeah that's rational but that's not where that's not where the argument's going it's like it's probably this one it's like well no we should just agree that we have no damn idea yeah and stop it's really hard to assume good faith when it comes to them. I mean, I want to because that's the right thing to do, but just the tracking the course of their um, dubious ascendancy on social media uh, all, for, for a while now, all the way back to before the, uh, the term intellectual dark web was coined by Eric. Um, it seemed like, especially Eric in particular, was trying to make himself into the same level of celebrity uh, internet wise as Joe Rogan with the same model by, you know, Joe Rogan started out as a guy that was talking about like all kinds of wild stuff. We didn't land on the moon. You know, I mean, viruses aren't real. Uh, monkeys can kick your ass, whatever the hell, although just wild shit. And so it seemed like Eric was just trying to do that for, instead of an audience of knuckleheads, like, Joe Rogan, you know, just regular dudes. He was trying to do it for the audience of uh, midwits. You know, guys that are eh, smartish, but probably needed to go to actual college or went to college for the wrong thing or just, you know, just misapplied brain power there. And so that seems to be the niche you went after. I think maybe I think I think if you listen to their story about their academic grievances, those are real. Like Brett's story of his the you know, discovery of the mice and their telomeres, and then someone getting the Nobel Prize on it and him just being, like, discarded. I, I haven't, you know, thoroughly vetted that fact check, but that sounds like the type of thing that happens in academia that really sucks. And when when Eric talks about the 
degradation of labor and academia and the broken academic model, he's right. I mean, he is actually right with like the system of postdocs and grad students and professors and growth-based academia not being sustainable. Like oh, yeah. that, that is turning out yeah. PhDs left and right. Yeah. I mean, they're which we need, but then like they're not they're never tracked to actually go in industry where they're hired and you and you subsidize and you actually import a whole bunch of people on a visa, which which is I mean, there's an advantage to it. But when when the American education system struggles to find citizens to go into science, and so we have to pull in other people to do it, there's a systemic problem there. There's something there's something very weird when no one in the country wants to go to Harvard for their PhD. And so but Harvard needs people to do that. And so then you just have all these models that don't work. Like it's it's like some, you know, some of my best friends from grad school and postdoc have been immigrants and they like all work their ass off to be here. And you're like, well, why are our people? Because we Americans have lots of people who work their ass off, but they never go into science, which is which is weird. I mean, they do some. I'm not saying I guess I shouldn't say never, but they don't as much as they you would expect right they're 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 funneled into other industries and and so you wonder well what are the incentives and why is this happening and something is screwy here and i think he's put his finger on it that like there is there is differences between being you know i you know like liking the immigrant culture like people come into the country wanting an active immigration program because like hey that's the only way america's population technically grows is through immigration which in, and having a growing population is important for the country. And then going, but this whole like visa system over here is being exploited and screwy and good for no one. Yeah, that could a, also be true. Between, like straight up xenophobic nationalist nativist crap and being like, hey, we should be pushing more of our people into science. I mean, it's great that these people want to come over here and be Americans. Cool. Yeah, we want you to. But the people that were born here, why aren't they? pursuing the same thing i mean just, uh, it's some, something's wrong and broken in the system and, and we should look into that i don't even know if it's a system systemic thing as much as a cultural thing because up until shit 10 years ago really people didn't really have the same esteem for science broadly as as they do now i mean the, the kids growing up now they're they're like yeah science science is cool but like 20 years ago, I mean, when, when I was a kid, because I'm, I'm a couple of years older than you, it, it was just like, okay, yeah, science is the class that you took, and then you went on to do different shit, because you grew up in the 80s, and you want to be a fucking action hero, or you want to, you know, just do something that's oh, yeah. awesome. Finance became where people went when they were really smart. Even medicine's dying out. Hmm. People are quitting medicine, especially after the pandemic. People, like, why would you go spend four years in undergrad, four years in med school, then go get a views in residency, to all be $500,000 in debt starting out your career when you're 35. And now you're having trouble having kids because you're 35. Yep. What? Yeah. And if you're that smart to be able to go to med school, why don't you just go to Wall Street and make money, moving money around in your 20s and be miserable then, you know, because it's hard work then, just like residency. It's, it's equally cruddy. But then you're super rich and you stop. Yeah. Yeah, I know a guy so, the whole lab science thing and just, you know, went to do finance because the pay you know and we get paid okay but yeah not even close to a a real big boy profession i guess i mean so i i I have recently had to leave academia uh and now work for industry and yeah like like a lot 
and you go, well, that's kind of screwy, right? Yeah. And so, and so, and so, so I think the Weinstein's like they came at it in one way correctly, but I don't understand why they. I don't understand if it's that iconoclastic nature, which is why they say those things that are really important to say, like, hey, these systems are screwy. And then and then they also just jump off the deep end into all types of other screwy stuff. Or what's going on? Well, I mean, it's, it's other screwy stuff that with the and we're talking about the Weinsteins for everybody that's following on. So we don't get too derailed because they're uh, the ones pushing this within a certain a large uh, audience that they have. Uh, and it, it has diffused all over the place. And, you know, I'm getting it. You know, it's anybody that's discussing this topic is can trace a lot of the ideas back to the Weinsteins. So, yeah, and, and it's interesting because I listened to Brett talk about it like almost a year ago, like probably nine months, 10 months ago. And I'm like, at the time, like, yeah, he could be right. It could have leaked. There's some, well, yeah, maybe, I don't know. We yeah. can't dismiss that. And they were right to saying, why are people dismissing it without discussing it? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Why aren't we at least keeping it on the table? Can't remove it from the table. But now it's like, oh, the government has said that they are putting it back on the table. We were right. I'm like, well, you're right that it should have been on the table. It doesn't mean that your conclusion's correct. Bad scientist. Yeah. No. Well, they need the, just the prestige. The from right. And and that's the frustrating shit about it because science shouldn't operate that way. It's like this is my idea. Oh shit! You proved me wrong. Oh, cool. Well, what's the actual? Let's figure out this together and not put our damn egos into it. But we all know that that's that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, that's all publication model too, right? You got to you got to publish, and so you got to be right at least for now, and then someone else is right for the next one, and then you're right for the rebuttal of that. Yeah, it kind of works because it's kind of com competition of ideas, but it also doesn't work because you can't ever just like hash out the reality and call it a day. You have to market your your version of the truth, even when you maybe latched onto it for too long and it's eroding underneath you. But I, I am, but I, I just find this whole thing. I find I find it interesting that people now care about science because of the pandemic, in large part. And yet, like the stuff that's going around, like, oh, it can incorporate near the vaccine can incorporate near DNA or, oh, it can make you infertile, which is something that apparently people are really worried about. I'm Protein like, shedding. I'm like, I'm just like, OK, so you're really excited about the science, but you won't listen to the scientists or you like don't understand the science at all. But when a scientist explains it to you, you don't believe it. Like, how do you know, like, how do you know that it won't do the vaccine, do this thing? I'm like, well, you know, because you know from first principles based on what's in it. Yeah. And like, could it do something? Sure. Could it do the thing you're describing? No. Yeah. Well, how do you know? I'm like, because that's why you go to school to do science. <laughs> like, that's what you learn. You learn about these processes. You learn how to then make hypotheses based on the known information. And it just you learn goes to basic hell. statistics so that you don't sit there obsessing about a point zero 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 fatality rate for a certain vaccine within a certain class of people that you know not everybody is, and then you you go around in the same breath saying, "Oh well, only ninety you know, ninety nine percent of the people are uh, basically uh, not going to die from it, so whatever." Gosh, I'm going to go look a window. Yeah. Oh. That makes no sense. Oh, or like the fact that the federal government halted the J&J &J vaccine. So they had a one in a million. And so they said, hey, women look like they could be at risk. Let's just use this for men for a few weeks, get some more data. 
okay, it really is one in a million, we'll, million, we'll put a warning on it and call it a day, but the risk of a stroke or you know, a blood clot is one in a million. The risk of a blood clot from COVID is one in 10,000. One of these numbers is worse than the other. Let's keep allowing the vaccine. And it was just an overreactive response. Now, I don't know if that's because they were just, again, abundance of caution. And maybe if it was the only vaccine out there, they would have kept going. But since there were two others, why not halt it for a few weeks? But it's still confused. Instead of going, hey, we noticed there was a reaction. We're going to put a warning on it, investigate it. The halting of it made it worse because it made it look more serious than it was. Yep. But again, what's the safest thing to do? And they did that. Not looking at the larger picture of what does that message convey and is that message worth the maximum safe response or do you do something in the middle? And I think what I see over and over again is people are afraid of the middle, even though that's where most common sense is. Whether it's politics, like, you know, like if the Republicans are for black cats, the Democrats have to be against them and vice versa. There can be no black cats on the other side. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. You can't, you can't, you can't agree with the other side on anything. It's not allowed. Well, there you can be no ground and credibility because people can't think outside of a binary. Um, and right. I got a con uh, question. Is like, are you aware of the article by Nicholas Wade about, uh, I guess the same thing? No. And look at it. Nicholas Wade. Uh, let's see here. COVID and I think it's the, the risk factor. So. Yeah, so he's trying to make a molecular argument here, um, you know, based on these rare codons that appeared, but you're having a selection bias here. Okay, so he starts getting into what's called, if you look at the genetic sequence of COVID, so SARS-CoV-2, it's just easier to say COVID. He's talking about how there are some codons in there, which are how you convert the three amino acid sequence, like CAG, into into like a amino acid. So that you convert the three nucleic acids. Yeah. yeah, so well, it's how you convert three nucleic acids into a amino acid. And not every species uses the same codon. So there's some specific codon differences, um, especially kind of like there's mul there's what's it's called degenerate. So there's multiple three sequences that produce the same amino acid, and some of the and some of the degeneration between species. So the three different ways there's some overlap, and some differences. So he's talking about how it's weird that COVID or COVID, SARS-CoV-2 has ones that are more like humans. And like, that makes it better to work in humans, right? Because it's codon can then be replicated. So he's like, well, this is indicative that, it, you know, that this is sign that it was designed this way or selectively passaged. And what you're forgetting is that there's a bias in this process. And so the counter argument, which he kind of points out but dismisses is that, well, yeah, nature can do it any time. Well, yes, nature can do it any time. But the point is, COVID became a pandemic. Ergo, it probably, it has those features. Does that make sense? So yeah. famous study from World War II. A whole bunch of planes were coming back and they're trying to figure out how to armor the planes. And they noticed that all the planes had bullet holes in the wings. And so they're like, well, shit, we need, a we need to armor the wings. And then someone said, no, dumbass. If it hits the fuselage, those are the ones that go down that we never get. The wings are the ones that survive, the holes in the wings. Ergo, armor the fuselage more because that's where we're not seeing. Same concept here. Yeah, that's actually oh, Dan O'Donovan's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. That, that is 
That is great. I thought about getting that th th diagram with the red dots tattooed on my back because I'd get it. And it, it'd be, yeah, yes, yes. I have that over on my bookshelf somewhere. Like everybody needs to read this. If you haven't read that, read that book, go get it right now. Right. Um, I mean, right. I'm not selling it, but yes. Yeah. So, 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 and, I'll, and I can go deep dive in this more later, but the idea of, well, the mutants, the mutations are such that it's, it's not impossible, but less likely that it just happened randomly to be better in a human host. Well, by definition, because it became a global pandemic, we all had to shut down for, it's really infective in humans and made that jump, right? Yeah. So I, well, yes, it has to be that way, essentially. That you pre-predicted like in a Bayesian way that it has to have that. You can't then draw a conclusion from that. Oh, that means it was engineered because these people were studying the ACE inhibitors effect on viral entry of the spike protein. It could be, it could have been selectively passaged that way, or it could have naturally done that because either way for it to be a goddamn pandemic, it had to do that essentially. Yeah. And you can't know, you can't know. There is one way to know. You get the records unsealed and you get all that information and assume it and you somehow know it's accurate, right? That's no, it. That is the way. It's literally the same argument that creationists make when they say, well, what are the chances that life randomly arose out of nothing on this you know, rocky planet, you know, for billions of years ago? It's like, what? yeah. The I, it it happened. happened. That's all it needed. Because to be. we're here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. By definition, it occurred. How we're not really sure about in all its details, but it happened yeah. because we're here. It only happened had to happen once. So right. there it is. Right. So so see the concept. It did happen. How it got there, it's very hard to deconvolute. And everyone's gonna have a theory. I mean, I think people did a disservice assuming it could have been a leak. Well, yeah, could be. And we have to acknowledge that there are agendas on both sides. I hate both siderism, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm. I'm not Every side has an agenda here, right? Like, I want it to be natural, so it can just be an accident. I don't want it to look like research screwed it up and it looks bad on the biology community. I don't want to have a foreign relations snafu with China, so I'm going to say it's natural. Oh, I want to blame China, so I'm going to say it's engineered and malicious. I pick the only position that doesn't have a motive is you got no goddamn idea. Yeah. Because there's no benefit in that. I mean, the best position in all of that is I want to know if it's possible to know. I don't want to believe in the place of knowing and then not emotionally invest yourself in it. Say, hey, right. I like cool. There was a lab leak. Well, fuck. Um, OK, I'm going to go get some Cheerios because I can't do shit about it. And then I mean, you can advocate for high, better BSL quality. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good job. That's going to be a real good poster. Greta Thunberg is going to be all over that. <laughs> like, 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 what are you going to do? Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, it, it, honestly, if China came out and said, yeah, hey, um, we totally screwed the pooch and we were trying to make a virus. Um, what are you going to do about it? I mean, yeah, come at us, bro. And people are going to be like, uh, you know, maybe a couple knuckleheads are going to get in a boat and like, sail over to China with some AR-15s, but that's probably going to be about it. Uh, yeah, we're gonna it, keep maybe, off Amazon. You could you could have international relationships. International relationships shift a little, especially with kind of you know third world countries that you know is that a lot of term anymore? I, you know, less 
you know, developed countries being, you know, who are used as pawns by developed nations may like switch group they want to hang out with, which could have advantages. But you're going to have to, re- you know, China's going to have to come out and say they did it for people to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're straight up committing genocide right now. So they're, pr- they're probably anybody that's going to be tolerant of them uh, already isn't going to change their damn mind. Yeah, they say they're not. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Versus like, yeah, we did it. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, they're they're kind of winking and nodding. You know, they every now and then um I'll see something come through on, on one of my feeds about how, oh yeah, look at all these happy uh Uyghur children. They're playing in the streets, you know? And you're like, Yeah, or or like the men are men moving in and bas- basically uh having sex with all the women there, um, forcibly. So it, it's not, not a good look. Yeah, it's kind of bad. It is. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's real not good. Um, but anybody that here. was going to watch Mulan anyway isn't gonna give a shit. So right, you know, Disney Princess. Yeah, that movie hey, sucked. Disney the Plus saved me in the pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. I mean, gotta give them credit. You know. All and right. then I bought it during the dip. The stock. Ah, ah. Yeah, but did you buy back in January? Uh, <laughs> did you divest yourself of travel and um, like stock in cruise liners? Because uh, my Delta this year that I bought in May is up like sixty percent. Heck yeah! And actually, you know what? When I went to donate blo- uh, bone marrow, um, stem cells to the dude with leukemia, uh, <laughs> I flew on Delta specifically. I mean, I should bring this up. Or they're not sponsoring us or anything, but whatever. Yeah. I should bring up Delta had the best practices. For oh, yeah. uh, they were by far, they did not put up with yeah, the, uh, anti-maskers. I flew on them a month ago and they still had no middle seat. Yep. It was nice. I mean, so I was like, hey, your guys are competent. I'll buy you of the airlines during the dip. And then, you know, did me well. Yeah, I, we'll I probably will not fly on anything else but Delta for the you know duration of until they, they fuck some shit up. Yeah. All right. Well, any other things we should cover here before we just go completely off the rails and discuss Not- the Bullshito D&D campaign? That we're- <laughs> oh, that, yeah, I, I would love to do that. But God damn, could, could you imagine squeezing that in once a week? Oh, God, it'd be very hard, but it'd be hilarious, especially with the type of crowd you get. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, has to be, it has to be five barbarians. Yeah, just barbarians. You can only play barbarians. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, that that would be amazing. We should we should do it just just for once. So like everybody gets like a tenth level character. Oh, 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 you play Cobalt Date My Baby. I don't know about that. Oh oh, so this is a it is a fun time RPG designed for one shots that uses the Beer Engine, which stands for like Brawn, Ego, Evasion, and Resolve or something. And you're a Cobalt who goes around town and tries to capture chickens and or babies and eat them and bring them back to King Torg. And but you have like flaws, like whenever you see a chicken, you have to try to light on fire. Your characters are pseudo randomly generated, and it's just completely designed to be ridiculous, but it's hilarious. And that would be an amazing, like, bullshito April Fool's drinking game RPG yes. to play with a bunch of people, and that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, so that, we that, that would be something. So, yeah. definitely a one shot. We'll, we'll get as many people as we can technically manage. We'll live stream it on here because you know, who gives a shit? Is we're not, we're not trying to be like pro twitch streamers this is just a cool platform yeah that'd be, that'd be hilarious that would be yeah. absolutely hilarious there's so many more people to play D now than when i was a kid yeah oh that, yeah that's what i had to get into martial arts was that was, was how nerd. i convinced my wife to play uh in part because she had a 
I, I basically strong armed her into it, but I, I showed her I, her eyes lit up when I showed her and explained to her the hand of Vecna thing from Critical Role. And then I showed her freaking werewolf dude. Um, so so that, your wife, your wife got into it in the Critical Role era. Uh, yes. I mean, no, I'm right. in like the last two months. era. All right. All right. So, 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 so I met my wife in college, like the first week. She'd always wanted to play D&D, but didn't have anyone. So we did a start a 3.5 campaign. And simultaneously, we started a Vampire the Masquerade campaign, which I was then banned from doing ever again because I scared the shit out of them all too much. <laughs> but we then did a you know three, two and a half year D&D campaign, followed by a Shadowrun third edition campaign. And we I'm still so gamed all the way until we had kids. And now and now we don't get to game nearly as much with their children. But now my son's almost ready to do D&D. Like we played a couple times and then like occasionally says, Daddy, let's play right now. I'm like, dude, I need like warning to have an adventure ready. Yeah, but like wing it. It never turns out. We can, but not it's just like randomly roll something and have him fight something in a room. But he just likes playing a sorcerer who nukes shit. So it's kind of hilarious. Um Yeah. You know, we yeah. Yeah. Knolls. It's been a lot of knolls. Oh uh yeah. But yeah. So yeah, my, my wife is a gamer. That that there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's great. I'm glad more people are doing it because I mean it's, it's, it's easier... super crazy seeing how it's popular. Fifth editions become it's like weird saying like it go mainstream because it really has. Yeah, I'm still learning it. I'm I'm just kind of fudging stuff as DM because uh, I don't you know like I know how it used to work and I'm just like okay. Just, there's no there, there's no faco in here. I know, but yeah, I know. I, I'm still kind of run doing that. So they're like, I'm like, roll a die. And then I just supposedly calculate in my mind if they hit and they believe me because they don't know shit. So I'm eventually going to have to figure it out. They got a yeah. bunch of munchkins with you and they're going to be like, no, oh, rules yeah. as written. Say this, you fucker. Yeah, I'm not going to get away with this for long, but, you know. Yeah, well, I just fired. someone gave me an AnyCube Photonic they weren't using. So I just got it working today for 3D printers. So yeah. now I have a resin 3D printer for minis. Yeah, oh man, I, I I was thinking about doing that because we went to a, a local store to get figurines because I mean you kind of need them to to explain yep. where everything is in combat, and so we did okay. But there's so many, it would be cool to print out just random shit. So it takes some work, but it was yeah. not bad. Is there like a site where you can download the schematics or whatever the plant? You can buy buy for like eight bucks, yeah. Oh, and then set a thirty five for the figurine, yeah, and then just print budget. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you tuned sure. in for um Lab Lake Conspiracy Theory chat, um it's yeah. our D D chat. Yeah, so D D bullshit of slash mark. God, could you imagine though? I mean, when I played oh, on active duty. Shit. Well, throw down followed by D D session. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bunch of dudes with like black eyes are like, okay, I'm rolling my save against, you know, poison. I'm I'm attacking the darkness, you know. Exactly. No, no. This has to be a thing. Like, you get like thirty people for throwdown. You all beat the Jesus out of each other, and then you like assign some GMs, and everyone goes and has pizza somewhere. Yeah. Like, rent out a local gaming shop, and we all do a one shot with like different tables writing the same one shot. Yeah. Or even have a tournament, like where the best player from each thing. Yeah, they do meet. Yeah. It's a straight like anime tournament arc with the characters, and they're like fighting, and just yeah, that'd be fucking that'd be cool. But PvP. Some a throwdown, oh, or, or like, or like, or like your characters fight each other, and then that's the the the, the winner gets to start from mount in the throwdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, God. Some, we have to make this happen somehow, to some extent. Uh, uh, has, the, yeah, this has to appear now. This has to so we'll, we'll take it you, to the forums. And talk you, got, you, got the, you, you got the space in Texas. Yeah, no, I mean, we could probably do it here. So yeah. we, we could figure it out. Maybe not 30 people because, yeah, but, you know, enough. enough a respectable barbecue-sized group. Uh, that'd be great. What's the biggest throwdown you guys ever had? Oh, um, there was one in New York City. Uh, I think it was eight 2008 or 10 and uh, it was huge because i think uh steve Kepfer did it at his school so there were like people all over just coming from it yeah, new york city so bam right. and there's an old video about it you know it's like got the beast yeah. boys as a soundtrack it's pretty rad yeah because my uh, north carolina one had like 30 or 40 damn that, some you know, like, numbers wise that might be uh, like up there because i, I know we, there we, was had, some we had Europe. dj bradley show up and all bunch of people he oh, yeah. is a he's a hoot in, in person. That guy is just he's he's dialed up to eleven all the time. Yeah, yeah. He, we he, had he, him on the podcast. We had him on the podcast, and um, we we were gonna we we never released the episode because he talked for four hours, and we we're like, how the fuck do we cut this and put it into a podcast? That, I mean, just Joe Rogan does it. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess we just throw it out there. You know, it's like, hey. You listen to this for four hours. Fuck you. But you know, it, it was glorious. <laughs> He's got you know? good stories. Yeah, we, we had a couple of them got to 40 people. It's like I had 15 from my school and 10 from another school, you know, 15 people driving in, and so then you got to 40. Yeah, that's great. We, we should do one. We should do like a, I know, something in Vegas when everything settles back down. Uh, yeah, you get, get, get a hotel, rent it out, rent out the convention floor, get some rolling mats out, do it. Yeah. With, with some money.